I was probably in my mid to late 30s. And I owned a company, a textile company, and we had had a decent amount of success, had grown, our business had doubled almost every year, and we had added a lot of employees and so forth, and so life was good, as you would say from marketplace standards. But I remember that I was working a lot. Now, I loved what I did, but I was working a lot of hours, and it seemed like every single month, same thing happened. We get to the end of the month. We always wanted to push out the door all the product we could, no matter how much we planned. Our largest shipping day at every, at every month was the last day of the month. I don't know why it works that way, but it just so happens that it, that it did. And so I would typically roll up my sleeves, go to the warehouse, particularly in the early days, and help ship product try to, to get things out the door. And a lot of times what would happen is once we worked a certain amount of hours, I would tell the team to go home and I would stay and they would always say, well, wait a minute, you're not going to stay long, are you? And I'd say, no, I'm just going to stay for a little bit and clean some things up. And I knew what I was going to do is I was going to work all night. In other words, I knew that's what it was going to take. So I was going to work through the night. They'd come in the next morning and see me in the same clothes and say, what in the world are you doing? We would have stayed and helped you, and which I would have been, I knew they would, but um, I just felt like it was something I had to do. As the owner, uh, CEO, I felt like that I needed to roll up my sleeves and put the hours in and make that happen. And periodically, uh, I would continue to, to do that during the month. Sometimes I'd work late hours. I'd get up real early in the morning. Usually every Saturday was, a, you know, at least a half a day or three-fourths of a day. And so it's just in this rhythm that just continued over and over and over. And I remember one time I was looking, talking to Stacy, and, and I was looking in her eyes, in her eyes, and I said to her, I said, you know, I, I think if, if we can just get through this stage, you know, if we can just get through like these next couple of months, if we can just get through this hurdle, then things will be different. It'll settle down. Um, things will be you know, much, much better. And after I said that to her about, I don't know, uh, 10 or 12 times or so, I lost count. I finally said it one day and I looked at her eyes, in her eyes and she looked at me and with her eyes, I could see her saying, I've heard this story before. And she knew that one was going to lead to the next time and then the next time and the next time. And so we were never, ever, ever going to get off of that that little, you know, mouse wheel where the mouse just keeps running and running and running and you never get anywhere. Now, that was 20 years ago. And obviously during that time, I think it would be safe to say I was not finding a lot of peace in my day. I was just trying to keep my head above water, trying to manage, trying to figure out how not to drown 
Uh, I didn't have time to figure out how to organize things better. We just had to get stuff done. Um, and so a year and a half ago, I started this business, Discover Blind Spots. I started it as a solopreneur. Uh, didn't have anybody to help. It was all pretty much, you know, on me. Now I have my son Fletcher works with me. Um, even though he's in college, he helps uh, in regards to some of the projects that we work on, and that's a great help. Uh, but he's also a full-time student. And the idea of hopping back on that mouse wheel almost happened again until I implement, implemented a simple daily practice. And more on that in just a minute. Welcome to the Discover Blind Spots podcast. My name is Tim Riddle, and we're at episode 22. Episode 22, that's pretty exciting. We've kind of moved into the 20s. So we're in the middle of a leadership series, and it, we're focusing on Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Galatians, a book in the Bible, you go to chapter 5, and it's a, a, a couple of verses in chapter 5 that talk about fruits, and the fruits that are listed, you could really call them values. And those fruits, if you, if you, um, uh, I'll just read them for you. There, uh, the fruits list is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a good list. And I've been in my social media posts and so forth. I've been referencing them as leadership fruits, and. I realize that, you know, when Paul wrote this, he was really looking at these are fruits that you should have in your life. But as I've said before, why would we compartmentalize our life and have one set of values for our work, one set of values for uh, our marriage, one set of values for our parenting, one set of values for just living our life? And it's just too complicated. So why not implement these fruits in our leadership? So um, using our gifts and, and spending time in our gifted areas, hopefully producing these types of fruits that other people can see. Um, and so we're going to talk about that, maybe how we implement that in our marketplace, in the marketplace, in our leadership, with our teams, with the people we manage, so forth and so on. This week, uh, we're going to talk about the fruit of peace. This is week three. We love joy and now we're at peace. Can we agree that the world has gotten a whole lot busier? I mean, I mean, can we at least start at that point? I mean, there's more things that are, um, you know, kind of biting for our attention, our time uh, than ever before. It's more demanding, more things demand our time, our resources, and our energy. And did you know that that also means there are more books that you can read? Millions of books, probably. I bet if I did a Google search and searched um, organization, how to get organized, um, you know, work smarter, not harder, things, I bet there are literally a million websites that you can go to uh, to seek 
information, seek help. You know, all the organizers that are out there, you know, we have them electronically in our phones. And, you know, sometimes I'll decide, you know, I'm, I'm underwater, you know, or I'm just treading water. So I must need a new organizer. So I'll spend hours looking at apps, the new to-do type apps uh, to organize projects in our days and so forth. And we've all done them, right? You know, we have we've have the ones you write in. I mean, all those type things. But And they work great until we get busy. <laughs> and then we don't have time to put everything in in that organizer. You know, sometimes I find that I'll go looking for that when I'm not busy, you know, to kind of give me something to do. As soon as I get busy, it's like I don't have time to enter all that stuff and to keep up with that. I mean, I almost need a full-time person just to enter stuff in my organizer. So when I started this business, I experimented with a, a, a lot of things. And, you know, one of my values, as far as organization, one of my values for this business, which, which I talked about recently in video and podcast, is to be highly responsive. So the question is, how do I do that without driving myself insane and working a thousand hours a week or more? In other words, how do you manage all that? So let me pick back up where I left off the story before the intro. And let's go back to, I started this business. And the fun thing is about starting a business. And, and I you know, had the same experience when I started the textile business. But the fun thing is, is that I can choose to do whatever I want to do each day. In other words, I don't have to listen to a committee. I don't have to listen to, you know, uh, a board of directors. Now that's good and bad. So I'm not, I'm not advocating that you don't have people who speak into your life, but I, I don't have a huge team. Again, I love working with a team, but you do have the freedom and I can use my gifts any way I want to. I wake up each morning. I get to choose what I want to do every single day. And that Using my gifts, I can choose to do that. That leads to a lot of peace. In other words, the video that I posted yesterday online, go back and check that out. If you are using your gifts, your God-given gifts that you're wired up to use, your gifts and talents, if you're using that in the majority of your day, you're probably going to have peace. You know why? Because when you use those gifts... You experience uh, fulfillment and purpose and meaning in your life. And purpose and meaning uh, lead to a feeling, a fulfillment of peace. The bad thing about starting this business and being a solopreneur and so forth is at times um, I can choose anything I want to do so if I'm not careful, I can drive myself crazy. You know, try and wake up and say, hey, today I think I want to try this. So tomorrow I might want to try that. You know, this is not working. Maybe I'll do this. And you get what's called squirrel disease. You know, where you, you, know, you drive out on the road and you see the squirrel and they kind of dart out to the middle. You slow down. They move. They run back to the left. They run to the right. They run to the left. And they're just, they're just all over the place. Until earlier this year, 
I implemented something that, you know, knock on wood, it just works for me. Um, I've been doing it for almost a year now, and it, it, it has worked for me. Now, here's the thing. I'm not here to sell you on something. I'm not here to say that this uh, system, this strategy I put in place will work for you. So here's my advice. Don't imitate it. I mean, don't, don't try to, you know, don't try to put on these clothes if they're not your style or, or they don't fit you well. That'll do, all, all that will do is frustrate you even more. But look or listen for the principles of what I'm going to, you know, within what I'm going to describe, the strategy that I'm going to describe and see if they might apply or might be able, might be implemented uh, for you to perhaps bring some peace. So what is that strategy? So about a year ago, I decided to start writing in a journal. You know, and, and, and maybe I should even back up from that. I decided that I'd gone to, you know, no paper, all electronics, everything in my phone or my computer or my iPad. You know, I, I didn't want paper. In fact, I, if I went to a meeting, I didn't even carry a pen around with me um, to write something down. You know, I just, it was all electronic. Didn't want paper. I was anti-paper. I've changed my mind on that. And maybe, maybe I'll talk about that in a minute. But I've changed my mind. And I decided to do the journal thing, and I decided to start writing again, um, you know, in a journal and an organizer and, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Now, here's the thing. I tried the ones that you buy. You know, I've tried the, you know, all the, you know, the different ones, you know, and I didn't try them all, but I've read about all of them, you know, bullet journals and, um uh, Michael Hyatt has one. Uh, I tried that one and I'm not knocking any of those. They're all good. In fact, they probably influenced and inspired what I'm doing right now. Here was my issue with them is that they always wanted me to fill in their blank. You know, they always wanted me to answer their question. And I know the, the reason for that is that, you know, they want to, kind of generate, hey, how was your day? And write three things down that happened here and write four things that you're going to do there and, and so forth. But, but my days are so different and that there are times that when I started doing that, I was like, well, I don't have anything to write in that section. And that used to drive me crazy. Yeah, maybe it's my, you know, maybe my uh, OCD or whatever. But it was like, I got a blank. I got to fill it in. And so it just, it used to drive me crazy. And so I would lose interest. You know, I would say, ah, I'm not motivated to do that. And so, you know, just like anything, you start, you fill it all in, and then you, you know, eventually you feel less and less. And eventually um, you have, um, you know, books sitting on the shelf that are completely empty. You got a new book, you know, you're on that subscription thing. You know, Michael Hyatt's thing, I'm on the subscription thing, and I finally canceled it. But I've got, I think I got a book or two that's brand new. I haven't even opened yet just because. I, it just eventually it ran its course for me. But here's the good thing. Here, here's some of the principles that I applied from going through that process. So again, I'm not knocking them. I'm grateful for that. 
But here's what I did. I went out and I bought a really nice notebook. Uh, I bought a notebook. Now, again, don't imitate. I'm just giving you details. You may find, find it. When I listen to podcasts, I'm always fascinated with when people talk about specific details of how they go about certain things. But I bought a notebook. I did research, and I learned, I learned more about notebooks than you want to you know. I learned more about paper than you want to know. And I read about this notebook called Rodia, R-H-O-D-I-A. Uh, you can Google it. I think it's a French company. And they supposedly make the nicest um, paper to actually put um, to write on, to you know, put your pen on, to lay down ink on. It's the nicest, smoothest, just most luxurious writing paper. Now, I, I'm not. You know, it's not ex- expensive. I mean, it depends on. I mean, it's not a two dollar notebook. But it's not a hundred dollar notebook. I think I might buy it from Amazon for twenty bucks or something. You know, twenty bucks lasts me I forget how many pages, but I don't know, three or four months or so. I figure it's worth it. If it's motivation for I like the notebook, I like how it feels, I like the size of it, then you know, it's worth the twenty dollars. Second thing I did is I went and bought a really nice, again, not expensive, I might be twenty bucks or so, fountain pen. And the fountain pen I use, I've used several. Actually, I went crazy and bought several, two or three or four there for a while. But it's by a company called, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Lamy, L-A-M-Y. And I use one of their fountain pens, um, and it writes beautifully. I mean, it's just, it feels great in your hand. I like writing with it. Um, I don't know. I just, I just like that feeling. Okay. That's particulars. Again, don't imitate. If there's any practical principles, take those, but I'm not telling you to go buy this type of notebook or that type of fountain pen. But I do believe a principle you can carry forward is the idea of writing. I just think there's something about writing um, that can center you and and sort of bring you kind of kind of lower your anxiety and and stop the clock a little bit, stop the world from spinning around and I, and I like that. So in my notebook, here are the four things, four sections I have that seem to be reproducible every day. On the top left, I put the date and then right underneath it I write big three. And what I do, the reason I do that is I'm listing the top three things for that day that are most significant for me to do. Sometimes it's less than three, but most of the time it's three. It's never, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I'll put an alternate in there. (laughs) But I try never to go over three because if you're, if you're dealing with, I'm not talking about three things, like one of those three would be go to the bank or, or um, take out the trash or, you know, sign this document or whatever. I'm not talking about that. That's a to-do. These are big threes. These are big projects. I may not complete them in the day, but I need to spend the majority of my day on those projects. Why? Because if I do that at the end of the day, then I really have uh, used my gifts to do something to move my business forward. 
So that's the whole strategy behind it. Then underneath it, I have a to-do list, literally write to-dos. And so I have two lists, big three and a to-do list. The to-do list are all the little bitty things that during the day, if I have a break or I have a few minutes, I might go down and say, yeah, you know, I can send that email or I can um, I can do that one item. It takes, you know, two minutes to do it. So that's the reason. If I put those lists together, you know what I'll do? I'll check off all the to-dos, the easy stuff, because I love checking things off a list. And the big ones I'll push to tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'll get to the end of the week. I've accomplished a lot of things, but I haven't really moved the ball forward in regards to my leadership and using my gifts to benefit and grow my company. All right, so that's the left half of the page. On the right half of the page, I write the word thoughts. That's it, just thoughts. And I write basically a paragraph, maybe two, no more than that, sometimes just a few sentences. Uh, I try not to put pressure on myself. I try not to agonize over the words. All I'm doing is literally a brain dump reflecting on either what happened the previous day or what's going to happen that particular day. No rules about that. Um, it could be a feelings, the feelings I have, any anxieties I have, any celebrations I have, anything. It could be personal. It could be work. No rules. I'm just trying to dump whatever's front and center on my brain down on a sheet of paper. And then underneath that, I write the word notes, and that is literally anything throughout the day that I might think of that I want to jot down, I put it in that section. Sometimes I get to the end of the day, there's nothing in the notes section because I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything I wanted to add uh, during that time. And notes could be uh, a phone number I need to remember. Um, I'm on a phone call with a client and I'm taking notes, you know, about the conversation. Um, things of that. It could be any random things that happen during the day. I find that when I write this stuff down, I remember it better, although I'm pretty good at remembering things, but I remember it better and it causes me, if I take this time to do this, I do it every morning. Uh, let me back up. 90% of the time I do it every morning. If my day is crazy and I leave out at, you know, four or five in the morning for a long trip, I, I may not do it before then. I may do it later in the day. There's only been a handful of days, if that many, that I've missed it. And But I go back and I still write in and fill it in. I still recap, even if it's a day or two after. Never let it get beyond that. How much time does it take? Um, I don't know, maybe... 10 minutes, maybe, sometimes shorter, you know, sometimes longer. I mean, it just depends, but it's helpful. And the reason it's helpful is because it centers my day. Now, it always follows. I'm a Christ follower. So this writing, this whole piece always follows a time of reading scripture and a time of prayer. So that's a devotional time for me. And then this writing um, in the journal follows that and it starts my day it's almost like it takes the clock and it says no matter what kind of chaos that that the day is going to bring it allows me to start my day 
in a um, state of order. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, I've set the compass in the right place. And then if it gets out of whack throughout the day, okay, you know, that happens. I can't control all the events of the day. But what this does is it allows me to start the day with peace. Um, and it gives my, it, it raises the odds of me being able to uh, carry that peace throughout the day. It also focuses me on making sure that I'm going to try to spend the majority of my day in my gifts and talent zone. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, if, if I can spend my day using my gifts and talents that God has given me, I will be motivated, inspired, and um, I will feel meaning and purpose by the end of the day. So that's the goal. So if that, if that works, uh, apply it. Uh, don't imitate. Look for the principles. Uh, if it doesn't, then you at least hopefully um, indulge me by listening to, uh, to my strategy that, that I've implemented. Now, peace, this fruit of peace, it's good for you to have internally, but it's also once you have peace internally, it's also good as a leader for you to leverage that peace with others as well. You can, you can leverage peace with others when you have peace yourself. It's probably very uh, difficult to leverage peace with others if you, do, if, you, if you are having chaos in your own life. So um, we all love being around someone who has peace. We see that in them, right? They're not all over the place. Their emotions are not all over the place. They feel grounded. They feel centered. Um, if, you, if you follow a leader who has the gift of peace, this fruit of peace, you, you want to follow them. You want to be in the same room. It's contagious. Um, so uh, it's one thing for you to experience peace in your life, but it's another to allow the fruit of peace to be seen by others, to be experienced by others, to spill over to others. Um, so in essence... Uh, this fruit shouldn't, a uh, peace shouldn't re just reside within you, uh, but it should be used in your leadership. One way to do that is to be a peacemaker. Now, let me explain. Once you produce the fruit of, of peace, here's a few ways you can utilize this fruit for the benefit of others. I'm going to go through this really quick. Uh, because we're about to run out of time here. I guess we can go as long as we want, but I think I'm going to run out of your listening time. So let me run through this. I'm going to use the word peace, P-E-A-C-E, as an acrostic. I'm going to you know, do that exercise where every, you know, each um, letter is going to represent something. I didn't create this. I found it somewhere, to be honest with you, I can't remember, many, many years ago, and I found this in my notes. thought I would share it with you. So if you created this, maybe email me and I'll give you thanks and I'll come back and give you credit for it. So, but here we go. First of all, peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, the P stands for plan a peace conference. The reason most world peace conferences don't work 
is the same reason many relationships don't work is because someone has to be willing to make the first move. So try taking the initiative in seeking peace, whether you've been offended or you're the offend the offender. In other words, if you've offended somebody else, take that initiative. Why? Because the longer you wait to resolve a relationship problem, the bigger it gets. In other words, the more of a gap, you know, kind of a chasm that's, that's created between you and the other person, the harder it's going to be to resolve that. So don't wait. Take the initiative. Be the initiator of planning a peace conference, which basically means pull the person together and begin to have a conversation. All right, number E, or, or letter E, P-E-A-C-E, the first E. Empathize with their feelings. When you're in this peace conference, empathize. And how do you do that? Um, second reason most world peace conferences don't work is that no one is willing to look at the problem from the other's perspective. It's the same again with relationships. First thing to do, listen why? Because listening shows you care. I've said this before. We have two ears and one mouth. You know why? Because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. So make sure we listen. When someone is hurting you, remember this. Hurt people hurt people. <laughs> Look beyond the hurt that you're receiving and ask yourself, what is hurting them? What is hurting this other person that's causing them to hurt you? Um, did you know that the key to intimacy is conflict? In other words, if you never have conflict, you'll always exist on the surface level with, with your relationships. But when you deal with conflict in a positive way and resolve it, it creates greater understanding and it brings you closer and makes you stronger. I have relationships today that are extremely uh, close relationships, but the reason they are is because we navigated conflict and we addressed it. All right, P-E-A-C-E, -E, let's talk about the A. Attack the problem, not the person. All right, anytime there's ongoing conflict, Somebody has to be hiding something. <laughs> There's always a layer. We talk about that in blind spots. There's always a layer. The truth always sets you free. You're never persuasive. <laughs> you know, to use a little, a little rhyme here, something kind of cute. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Um, you don't get your point across by being cross. <laughs> All right, kind of forgive me of that. Kind of corny, but it makes sense, right? You've got to stop fixing the blame in order to start fixing the problem. All right, here's seven rules for fighting fair in a relationship. Boy, write these down. This is in a marketplace relationship, a friend relationship, and a marriage. Holy cow, this works incredibly well. Number one, never compare. Don't compare. It's unfair to do. Number two, never condemn. And don't use the, hey, you are, you know, but say things like, I feel. Words, never condemn the other person. Number three, never command. 
There was never, you know, you better start, you know, don't, don't be demanding. Number four, never challenge. In other words, if you challenge, that creates threats and threats tear relationships apart. Number five, never condescend. In other words, don't belittle the other person or play psychologist. You know, don't play those mind games. Number six, never contradict. Or stop interrupting. Allow the person to talk. Just don't contradict them. Number seven, that means they, they have an opinion. Let, at least let them hear their opinion. Their opinion may uh, uh, be wrong or, or, or may be uh, formed from inaccurate information, but they are not wrong to have an opinion. Uh, number seven, never confuse. Those don't bring up unrelated issues. If you're talking about this part of your job, don't talk about something that happened you know, that doesn't even relate to that. It just confuses the conversation. You're never going to get clarity. If you follow these seven steps, you'll be attacking the problem, not the person. All right. Now, number C, or I keep saying number, sorry. Letter C, cooperate as much as possible. So, uh, compromise is essential in every human relationship. Try to find areas of common ground. Try to find areas where you can be flexible. A true win is when both people win, but for both people to win, both people have to lose a little bit. All right? Compromise is essential in every human relationship. And then finally, the E, the second E, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Boy, this is huge. Reconciliation, listen to this. Reconciliation means to reestablish the relationship. Resolution means to resolve every issue. I mean, you're just not going to do that all the time. You're not going to be able to resolve every issue. Seek reconciliation, not resolution. Now, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Um, you, you can ha uh, have unity in a relationship without having uniformity, right? You can walk hand in hand in a relationship without seeing eye to eye. And so, therefore, you can have reconciliation without having resolution of every difference. Recon reconciliation is a synonym for being a peacemaker. All right, P-E-A-C-E. -E. Hope you jotted those down or go back and listen to them and see once you've obtained peace in your life as a leader and really anybody, you have the responsibility to share that, to let that spill out to others. So check your life and leadership as we kind of wrap this up so that you can get off of that mouse wheel to see if you can find a little peace. See if there's a practice that you can put in place that might help you focus on the bigger picture, that might help you with the chaos of your day, whatever that is, again, don't 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 imitate mine. Find your own. Um, 
but find a practice that you can do on a daily basis. I really believe it's a daily. Uh, here, here's something that I would imitate. Do it daily. I just really think that you have to have a daily practice, even if it's five minutes, that might help center you with the chaos of your day. Uh, once you find that peace, leverage it in your leadership and don't be afraid to be a peacemaker and share your peace with others. All right, that's it for today. Next week, love, joy, peace. The next fruit that we're going to talk about is patience. And boy, do I have a story to share with you about that. See you next week. 